We've been in the middle of a series uh, for the last number of weeks, which we are concluding today. And uh, the name of the series is The Real You, Finding Your Identity in Christ. And uh, I, I have, we've really been encouraged by a number of comments of people who really feel like the Lord has opened their eyes to some new things and uh, helped them to uh, discover uh, really who they are in Christ. Today is the last of the series. I thought it might be helpful if we take just a moment and uh, review um, the topics that we've covered. And these are available, by the way, on the media page of our Riverbend website. So if you go to the media page, the audio versions of these are always available for your download. Uh, the first week we talked about spiritual identity theft. I mean, a lot of people are having their spiritual identities ripped off just in the same way that a lot of people are having other information ripped off. And uh, so we have to be awakened to that reality. And then we talked a lot about uh, the, the next uh, in the series was a message that focused on our identity, how it should be if we're followers of Christ, that our new identity needs to be based on what? Being in Christ. We talked about what the significance of that union with Christ means. And then last week, we talked about nine new identity truths. Nine new identity truths. Can we just review those very quickly? Because it connects directly to what we're going to be speaking about today, which is the final message of the series. These were the nine new identity truths that we reviewed uh, last week. Number one, I am blessed. Number two, I am a child of God. These are declarations, faith declarations that... Uh, born-again Christians can accurately speak about themselves. I'm a child of God. I'm in right standing with God. I'm an overcomer. I am God's workmanship. I'm redeemed and free. I am healed. I am made strong. And I am a new creation. Wow, I feel edified just having reviewed that. How about you, huh? Those are all true about those of us that are in Christ. But it raises a real important question, and maybe some of you even last week were going, wow, that's incredible to learn that those things have all been said about those who are in Christ. And I'm a believer, but I don't seem to be walking those things out. I don't seem to be experiencing those things. There seems to be a great disparity between what, I, what we just read, that list, and how I'm living daily. And so I felt it was absolutely imperative that today we wrap up our series on identity by talking about how do we appropriate this new identity, being in Christ. Yes, it is true, but how do we make our experience line up with what we learned last week? It is really, really important that we understand the importance of appropriating. So I'm going to give you three steps today. All right, so we're just going to organize all of the thoughts into those three steps. These are action steps that, are, that will be very uh, essential to you living in your new identity. Discovering your identity is one thing, but then living in it is something else. Are you ready for these three things? Number one, understand the difference between your position and your experience. There is a difference. And so some people, they get locked in and they, and they uh, read about, they discover, they preach, they teach about who we are in Christ, but they, they somehow walk around like they have uh, some uh, spirit of denial on them where they're just ignoring what's really going on in life and they're just walking around saying, I'm this, I am that, I'm that. 
I'm okay with that, but I want to help you to appropriate so it's not just an image, it's not just some new branding that you've established, but it actually is real in your day-to-day experience. Amen? It's one thing to say, I'm blessed. It's another thing to actually receive the blessings. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to say, the Lord meets all my needs according to His riches and glory. It's another thing to pay your bills. Y'all hear me? And so I think the question that comes and is an appropriate question is, why don't I live like what I am? Why why is this inconsistency there? And may I just suggest to you that it is a natural, understandable tension that exists between what God says about us. It is true But there's a difference between what he says about us and where we are living today. All right? So the first thing you must do is understand that there is a difference. We must understand, and I I think this might be helpful to you because it's helpful for me because I'm real simple and I just need some help grasping some of these things. I put on a chart here for you uh, a comparison, a contrast between our position in Christ and our condition. All right. You see that on the left side of the table is the column labeled position. On the right column is the column labeled condition. These are totally different and need to be understood in tension with one another. So let's just look at the contrast between these. All right, first of all, your position. Your position is what? It's in Christ, right? That is God's view of you. Your position The nine statements that we declared last week that we just reviewed, all of that has to do with position. God says those things about you, and they're important, they're true, they're valid. But we need to understand that that's God's view. Our experience may not be lined up with that right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Our experience may be vastly different than what God says about us, and that can be confusing if you don't understand that that tension is understandable and natural. I think that the next line is also helpful. To understand that God's God's view, that positional view, is eternal. It is eternal in nature, where our condition is temporal. In other words, it has to do with our earthly existence. It's very earthbound, whereas the other is heavenly and eternal. Notice that our position is legal. It is based upon the the, the court of the universe. And it has been declared by the God, the creator of the universe. These are things that he has stated about you. But it is a legal declaration. Whereas in contrast, your condition is experiential. For example, there are people who own a piece of property have inherited a piece of property or own a piece of property and have actually found other people living in their, on their property. People will actually move in and live there. It's an empty, vacant house, and so they oh, well, I can move in there. And some people, maybe the owners live a long distance away or for one reason or the other, they, they're not in touch with the condition of the property, and someone actually takes up residence and lives there for a long time. They can actually start acting like it's theirs. Right? Do you notice that there's a difference between the legality of owning something and actually taking possession 
of what you legally own. How many of you have heard stories about people who never realized that their name was on some list of, uh, of, of having uh, financial funds that are actually in their name that is legally and legitimately theirs, but they didn't they know about it? forgot about it, moved and forgot to move funds. And after a long time, I think the law still required that those things be declared in some kind of a public uh, forum and, and posted someplace. And if you don't realize what you have, you can die and never claim it. There are things that actually have to be appropriated. You have to say, that's me, here's my ID, and I have right to be able to claim that because of who I am. It's in my name, right? Or you could live the rest of your life never laying claim to actually what's yours. Listen, there's a difference between what is legal and what is experiential. How many of you know that some people are legally married, but they don't even live together? And clearly don't get along. But y'all know what I'm talking about? But legally, they're married. There are a lot of Christians, listen carefully, there are a lot of people who are born again, new creatures in Christ, accepted Jesus Christ in their life, but nothing in their life lines up with that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That is true about many people. Unfortunately, it's true. But just for this, I just want you to understand, there's a difference between what is legally true and what is experientially the case. Sometimes I like to call this our standing versus our state. My standing, for example, one of the things we noticed last week is that we are redeemed and free. We're free from the curse of the law. We're free from the bondage of sin. The truth is, even though that is a legal truth, some of us still are bound by certain sins. Can you agree with that? Y'all sure are looking sanctified. Come on, be real here with me for a moment, all right? It is true, right? So even though the Bible says, I'm redeemed, bought, set free, redeemed from sin and, and its curse and its effects, praise God, isn't that wonderful? And then this week, I go right back to the bondage that I've been living in. Does that make God's word a lie? No. Does that change the fact of my standing? No. The standing is accurate, but the state, the state that I'm in at that moment hasn't yet come into alignment with the standing. Does that make sense to you? So, for example, we were justified. We were saved. But there's also sanctification, which is a big word that just means we're in the process of being saved. That's the ongoing work of Jesus developing and conforming you into himself. That's the discipleship walk that we're all on. But there's a big difference between having been justified and where I'm at right now, trying to day by day let Jesus take control of my life and my behavior and my thoughts. Am I right? One is position, one is condition. Notice that our position happened instantaneously. The moment you are reconciled to God, the moment that you come to Christ, the moment that you make that decision, you are regenerated, you are justified. God says, this is true about her. This is true from this moment on. They are a new creature. Old things passed away. Everything's become new from this moment on. The line is drawn and you step over that line. So that's instantaneous. Aren't you glad we don't have to work our way into that? 
Aren't you delighted that it's a free gift? Praise God. Amen. So that's instantaneous. But the condition is something that changes all the time. And bringing the condition into line with the position is progressive. It's progressive. So I don't know whether that makes any sense to you, but it helps me to understand this tension. So what's the point? We need to understand the difference between our position and our daily experience. Now that you understand that, we go to step two. Step two is that we need to accept our new position by faith. By faith. Now, I just don't want to assume, I know many of you are well-trained in understanding what faith is and how it works, but I don't want to assume anything. So let's just review very, the very basics about faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, sometimes we think of Hebrews 11 as being the faith chapter. The scripture says, now faith is. It starts off with defining for us what faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's one thing to have hopes. It's one thing to have aspirations, desires. But faith comes as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it goes on in verse 6 to say, but without faith it is impossible to please God. One more scripture and I'll unpack it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, speaking to believers, says we walk by faith, not by sight. Meaning what? When you come to Jesus, you make a decision, from this moment on, my life is a life of faith. It is a walk of faith. And experiencing salvation is itself a step of faith, right? We believe unto salvation. So faith is actually what we are saved by grace through faith, right? So faith saves us. So once you make a decision to follow Jesus, a few days later, I guarantee you, in most cases, we wake up and we go, you know, I don't feel saved today. You know, when did that, was that last Saturday night I prayed with that? I don't know, I don't feel forgiven today. I don't feel saved today. I guess I, guess I need to go do that all over again. What's the problem here? We don't understand faith. Faith is based on the fact of God's word. It is not based upon your feelings. It is not based upon my emotions. It's not based on how I wake up and I feel. Even the scripture that promises to us that we read last week that says we're healed through the stripes of Jesus, I mean, let's be honest. That is truth. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. He took our pain and our sickness on his body 2,000 years ago but that doesn't mean that you may not wake up tomorrow and have a sickness that you have to admit to. Now, in Christian, have you ever heard of Christian science? Anybody ever heard of that? It's a, it's a cult, Christian cult group, all right? Christian science teaches, uh, Mary, Mary Baker Eddy, some of you may connect to some of those names. They teach, as well as some other cults, um, for example, in the area of physical healing. Uh, they will use some of the same scriptures but they deny that you can be sick now. So they say, oh, no, I'm not sick. 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 <laughs> Denying the reality, diagnostics, and the doctor's exam that says, you've got something going on in your body. They just say, oh, no, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Listen, that is not Christian sense. That is Christian science. 
All right? But here is the truth. Faith stands in the gap while we are reaching out into the unseen world. So it is faith. How do you receive answers to your prayers? It's faith. It says, for example, in James chapter 5, it says it's the prayer of faith that will heal the sick. Faith is a powerful force that is released that allows us to walk in another level. And our faith grows from step to step to step, stage to stage. Our faith should be growing. And faith simply is saying, I believe in my heart that God's word and his truth is true no matter how I feel, no matter how whether the sun came up today and I noticed it or not, <clears throat> whether people are talking about me, whether, whether my kids are screaming and going crazy today, it doesn't matter. By faith, God's word is true. Let God be true and everybody else a liar. See, we have to understand this is a walk of faith. So faith accepts God's word as truth, even though the condition doesn't line up with it yet. Faith accepts the reality of the position. And faith will actually move you over time. And as you walk it out, it will move your condition and swing it over here more and more to line up with your position. Won't that be a glorious time when it all, when it all lines up, right? I'm still swinging. Any of you here, you're still kind of coming into, into alignment you know, in that process, and it can be painful, and it can be, uh, you know, that's where, that's where the daily walking with Jesus comes in, amen? But it's faith that helps you to appropriate what you have. Listen, you didn't come to Jesus when you came to him, when you were born again and reconciled to God. It happened because of faith, not because of, of, of you earning it or being so good that you... You deserved it. You know, it's by grace through faith. And everything in this Christian life is received by faith. Someone told me many years ago about faith. They said faith is just like electricity. Everything runs on it. <clears throat> Cut the power and just notice how dependent you are on, on your power sources, right? Everything runs on it. You ever spend much time traveling? Watch how many people are plugged into the, to, to the outlets. Everybody's like hovering on their phones and devices, just wires going everywhere. Why? It's, everything's dependent on electricity. In the Christian life, everything is dependent on faith. It works by faith. Everything from salvation to every single thing that we appropriate from God's word all comes by faith. So that would suggest to you and to me, we need to walk more in faith, don't we? We need to learn more about how to exercise our faith muscles. So our faith muscle accepts our new position, and we say, I believe in my heart. The word faith simply means to believe. To believe in my heart. No matter what it looks like in, here in the real world, I'm believing in my heart that it is true, and then I add to my heart belief. I begin to use my mouth to declare it by faith. And then I literally start acting as though it were true. Faith acts. Faith always has action to it. Faith without works is dead, dormant, non-productive. Faith needs, one translation says, faith without corresponding actions is unproductive. Faith, always real Bible, genuine faith, acts itself out. So if it's real faith, we're appropriating these things that God has said about us, 
what's going to happen? We're going to actually start believing in our heart, speaking it with our mouth, and we start walking it out in real life. And we go, wow, look, amazing. Some of this stuff is actually changing. Wow, I'm actually starting to act redeemed. Oh, look at that. I'm actually starting to act freer than I did last year. Isn't this good? Why? It's swinging over as you appropriate it by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Are you with me? Number three, the third action step. Simply stated, but very involved. Renew your mind with God's truth. What have we done? Number one, we've understood that there's a difference between condition and position. Number two, we've decided to accept what God's view is about us by faith. Doesn't matter how we feel. And number three, now we need to start changing the way we think. Renew your mind with God's truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. How do we get transformed? Transformation is awfully appealing, isn't it? How do we get transformed? By the renewing of your mind. That's the key, folks. Once you've established your faith position, you begin to operate appropriate by faith, then you need to renew your mind with what God says about you. You know what? Our minds need a lot of help. We've got a lot of stuff that's put on these hard drives that has got to be erased and must be replaced with new data. And the new data is the truth of God's Word. Some of us, as we've talked about during this series, we're raised being taught, you're just dummy. You'll, nothing ever happened in your life. And we've accepted it. We've worn the T-shirt, and we live like it. So what this does is this says, wait a minute. My faith has now accepted what God says about me. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What am I going to choose? Faith says, I choose what God says. Add to that, then, the renewing of your mind. So then you begin to take God's Word and studying it, reading it, immersing yourself in it, taking it in every time you can. That Word begins to wash your thinking, changing, transforming you through changing the way that you think and the way that you view certain things. So no longer are you thinking about yourself as a loser, but you begin to think of yourself as an overcomer through Jesus Christ. You literally begin to think that way about yourself. Do you see how that has everything to do with identity your identity is based on what you perceive about yourself so what we've got to do is change the way you perceive yourself and we need to put it on the basis of eternal truth which is god's word and it's only god's word that can transform you through the renewing of the mind motivational tapes aren't enough to renew your mind Going to workshops, as good as it may be, isn't enough to renew your mind. God's Word renews your mind. Okay? So if we can just prioritize the renewing of our minds and through the meditation and the study and, and the uh, reading and the memorizing of God's Word, it will wash our minds. You know what I really think that we need to do is we need to, what the renewing of the mind will accomplish is it'll change us from becoming uh, away from being sin conscious, for example. 
and it will make us sun conscious. Were we sinners? Absolutely. Do we, can we still fall into sin now? Absolutely. And the New Testament says if you say, you're not sin, if you, say you have no sin, you're lying. God's love's not in you. You're not walking in light. So the good news is we can confess it and receive, receive that ongoing forgiveness and freedom that comes through that. Praise God. But we were sinners. Today, you need to focus on the fact that you are today forgiven and the righteousness of God. You're righteous. Some people are so focused on the fact that they're a sinner. Everything you hear that comes out of their mouth, well, you know, what do you expect? I'm just a sinner. Well, you know, I'm just a sinner. Even, for, can I vent for a moment? Even some people who say all the time, well, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. They give a parenthesis at the end, saved by grace. I'm, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. Well, yes, yes, I know. Look, why don't you just say, I'm a new creature, saved by grace. I'm now in Christ. Hallelujah. We're not denying the reality that we can sin. It's a matter of where is your consciousness? Where are you fixed? Where are you aligned? Listen, if you align yourself with being a, sound just a dirty old sinner, you know what you're going to do? Sin. All the time. But if you'll change your consciousness away from being sin conscious and start being son conscious, we are sons and daughters, members of the family of God, through Jesus Christ, become son conscious, it'll change your identity and your behavior. You say, I don't know how important this is. Well, let me just remind you what Jesus said to Peter. And you can find it on your own in Mark chapter 8. Peter made some statements uh, about Jesus uh, and what what he was saying, please, I, you don't need to go to the cross, Jesus. You don't need to do that. <clears throat> Jesus, if I can imagine what it must have been like, he whipped around after hearing that come out of Peter's mouth. And he looked at him and he said, Satan, can you imagine this? He said this to Peter. Satan, get behind me. He rebuked him. Do you remember why the scripture tells us that Jesus rebuked the satanic influence? It says, he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God. Literally, what it means is you are not thinking the thoughts of God. You're thinking carnal thoughts. You're even thinking he went farther than that. Jesus is saying your thought life is being satanically influenced. He wouldn't have said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was just saying, Peter, your thought life is messed up. Your, th- your thoughts are aligned with what the devil's saying, not with the truth. You're saying, don't go to the cross. I must go to the cross. And you're saying, oh, don't go to the cross. You see what he's saying? So what he was saying is this, your mind matters. What's going on up here really does matter. And I think you and I need to reckon and accept the fact that our minds need to be regularly cleansed and washed and reformatted by the truth of God's word. Renewing our minds simply means replacing old thought patterns with new biblical ones. I'm going to close with a story that is a well-worn story, but I don't know of a better one 
that's simpler to explain uh, some of the truths that we've talked about today. Many years ago, a story is told of a... I'm assuming it's true. I have no historical evidence that it was true, but the story works. Many years ago, um, back before some of our modern transportation methods were available, was a man who for his whole life had dreamt of moving to America. He lived in England, and he had saved up. He was a poor man, but he had saved up money for many, many, many years. Finally, he saved up enough money to buy a ticket on this large ship that was sailing for New York Harbor. He saved up his money. He was so excited and so thrilled to walk up and buy the ticket he held in his hand to get on the ship. He had not much with him. He just had a little bag. And he got on board, and they began to sail. Of course, that during those days, it was a long journey, sailing across the Atlantic Ocean to New York City. But he couldn't be happier because he had that ticket, and he had his trip. His dream was coming true. All he could do was think about America, what it must like to go to America, life in America. Wow. They were coming up upon their last day of journey, and he was standing out on the outside of the ship's deck, and he could begin to see in the distance the harbor. And he could begin to see. And he was so excited. His vision of what was to come was interrupted by one of the ship's personnel who came up to him and said, Excuse me, sir. I was noticing you standing out here on the ship's deck while everyone else is in the dining room dining. In fact, I've noticed that the whole trip You've never joined us for one meal through the entire trip. Every time we, every time we dine, you're out here. And I, have we not served you well? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Please don't think that. He said, listen, he said, I only had enough money to buy this ticket. And so the little bit of money I had left over, I went and bought some crackers, a little bit of cheese. And he showed him he had just a little bit, a couple of bites left over for the final day. He said, I've just been, I've just been enjoying the trip and eating my cheese and crackers and just can't wait to get to America. And the steward said, oh, no. Sir, did no one tell you? The meals are included with the ticket. He traveled the whole way, ticket in hand, so excited for the journey that he was on, where he was going, but not knowing all the rights and privileges that were attached to owning a ticket. Is that not true of Christians today? Because the truth of this, that once we accept Jesus Christ, we do get that ticket We get the ticket of eternal life. But many times we simply don't read the fine print. And we don't read the disclaimers. And all we know is, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Going to heaven. Going to heaven. There's nothing wrong with thinking about heaven. All right. But sometimes we get so enamored with the fact that we're going to go to heaven, we live like the devil here on earth. 
And clearly we don't live up to the level that God has made us and provided through the same work at Calvary that saves us eternally from our sins. The same work at Calvary purchased some other things for us. And once you're in Christ, it all comes with the ticket. It's all included for the same price that he paid. He paid it. And yet many times we live and act like paupers and beggars and overcome by sin and the world and the enemy and everything else when all along, all we have to do is claim the benefits of the ticket. I'll close with this reminder of the scripture. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his Say it. Benefits. Say it again. Benefits. You know, benefit packages today are very expensive. But Jesus has the best one available. And it's all been provided through what he did at Calvary. Would you stand with me to pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we wrap up this series, I think it's appropriate we take a moment. I, I, want, I want to pray for you to appropriate today. So maybe this morning you've, you have heard some of the, these messages and, and if nothing else, you've had a little bit of review in today and you've realized, you know, I don't know that I actively appropriate enough. I think that's where many of us are probably at. You know, I just kind of go through the motions and but I don't think I'm using my faith sufficiently. I'm not using my faith sufficiently to grab hold of and to appropriate everything that is true about my position. I'm being, I'm locked into my condition, but I'm not using my faith to appropriate my position. If that's true about you, would you, would you pray with me right now? And um, let's just bow our hearts And there may even be someone here today that can honestly say, I don't, I've never taken that significant step to know Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. But I'd like to make that step today. I'm just going to lead everyone. I'd just like for everybody to do this, even though some of you have known Jesus for many, 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 many years. There's nothing wrong with us just praying this simple prayer together. Would you just pray it with me out loud? Say, Lord Jesus, today I repent of my sins and I put faith in you. Jesus, I believe that you lived, that you died, that you were buried and resurrected for me and for my salvation. Forgive me of my sins. Give me new life. And I will walk with you and serve you as your disciple. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that maybe for the first time meaningfully from the heart, I want you to make sure that you come and talk to one of our prayer teams that will be posted here at the front of the building. After I pray for you, they'll be here. Both teams will be posted on either side of the platform and they're there for you to pray with you. 
but they're also there for anybody else that needs prayer for anything. But I want to lead all of us together right now. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm praying for myself that we will put our faith into, into gear. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Father, we have learned so much about our identity. Lord, we, we have forsaken, chosen to put aside the lies of the past and the old T-shirts that we used to wear connecting us to lies and, and, and untruths about ourselves. We've chosen to remove those shirts and to put on our new identity that is in Christ. Lord, we affirm today that it is true. We affirm that it is eternally, legally, unchangeable truths because you said so. And Lord, we choose today to align ourselves with what you say about us. And at the same time that we're rejecting false identities today, we are choosing to identify with what you said about us in the Word of God. And so today, Lord, we also activate our faith. And Lord, we ask that you would help us and strengthen us. And Lord, even as your disciples said, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Lord, today we pray, help strengthen our faith. Make us strong in faith, God, so that we can receive every benefit that you have paid for. That we, Lord, would be able to lay claim to everything that the ticket provides, to everything that salvation includes. Lord, forgive us for living below the level of the sons and daughters of God that you have declared over us. Forgive us. And today, Lord, we choose by faith to accept what you say about us. And Lord, we also choose and we acknowledge the need to renew our minds. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen us in our resolve and that we become more knowledgeable of the Word of God than we are the local news. Lord, I pray that you make us more knowledgeable of the Word of God than policies and procedures. Lord, I pray that you would make us Word people. And Lord, just help us to continue to reformat our thinking bringing down strongholds and building new strongholds under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today I pray against these strongholds of wrong thinking and wrong identity that people are holding on to. I come against them in Jesus' name. I break the power of sin. I break the power of Satan. I break the power of old thinking. And I pray that today as you arrest that old thinking right now, Lord, that you by your grace would help us to begin to think godly thoughts. Lord, help us to begin to think like you want us to think. Oh God, we pray that the Spirit would help us and strengthen us to be more than ever committed to renewing our mind because that's the only way that we're going to be transformed. Oh, Lord, we're grateful that you show us how. You just don't tell us to do it, but you show us how to live for you. We thank you as we praise you for that right now. Hallelujah. Can you just say thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.